0: You're listening to the Legion of Reason.
1: Welcome to another edition of Lord, the Legion of Reason Diversion. In this, the 180th episode, Chris and yours truly, the Supreme Reverend Dr. Randy, are joined by actor John Delancey. Most of our listeners will know John as the smug, omnipotent Q from Star Trek The Next Generation. He's acted, though, in many films, including The Fisher King and The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, as well as television series besides Star Trek, such as LA Law and Breaking Bad. I instantly recognized his voice in two installments of Assassin's Creed, but many listeners probably don't know the humanist side of John, who was awarded the American Humanist Association Arts Award for 2016. Welcome to our humble podcast, John. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I mean, I know you're pressed for time and uh we've been uh, looking forward to having you on for quite a while. And now this is to, I, I got to get this out of the way cuz I I am a Star Trek fan. I've I've got a, a science uh, officer insignia tattooed on my my left breast. And <laughs> I, I I really do. And, he uh, does. yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> it was a whim in, in Hawaii. My my wife and I, I said to my wife, I got to get a tattoo here while I'm here. And I had to think of the geekiest thing I could come up with and being a geek myself That's pretty geeky. Yeah, it's pretty geeky. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I always thought of Q as the Harry mud of the next generation because you know, Harry mud is people would remember was a recurring character. On Star Trek, the original series, and was very beloved. And of course, Q is quite a bit different, but has some similarities, I guess, as well. Uh, certainly, the smugness part of it. Uh, how did did Star Trek att- the message of Star Trek, the humanist message of Star Trek, att- attract you to that role?
0: No, <laughs> I, I had not. Aww. I had not watched uh, Star Trek as a kid. Uh, mostly because i had uh reading problems and uh and my parents decided to pull the tv out of the house and so i, I sort of lost that whole growing up with tv shows um i watched the the movies i was a huge science fiction fan and i would go to the movies all the time um so uh um I uh, you know by extension I ended up seeing you know the Star Trek movies but it, it that, that wasn't what attracted me um I uh I simply was auditioning uh, they called me up for an audition I went in and, and I and I got the role I mean it was only afterwards that I began to understand what I was getting into um, mostly because uh, Roddenberry Gene came up to me one day a couple days after starting filming on the uh, pilot and he's and it, uh, this was by way of saying to him, saying to me, rather, that he, uh, that he liked what I was doing. He said, you have no idea what you've gotten yourself into. And um, and that has remained uh, very much the case uh, for the last 29 years.
1: Did, did you know it was going to be a recurring role at the time?
0: No, no, it, it, and it wasn't a recurring role at the time. Um, I was, you know, and on top of it, uh, some people don't know that uh, it wasn't actually supposed to be in it at all. I mean, Gene's intent was to go immediately to series and not do a two-hour MOW to to start off as a pilot. And um, they convinced him that uh, he he, he had his opening episode ready to go, and they convinced him that he he had it had to expand it and uh, that's when this character and my storyline uh came into into being but uh, uh, up until then that wasn't going to be the case at all
1: huh. well let's just take a look at the the humanist side uh of you now i i read a little bit of a story about you being in the cub scouts and uh questioning things and annoyed the uh the Cub Scouts a little bit. Uh, Tell us about that.
0: Well, I, um, uh, it it started a little earlier than that. I I think, frankly, it had to do with authority. But um, in, uh, I was sent to uh, Sunday school, and and my parents were not really religious, I I don't think, but, you know, this is sort of what you did in 1955 or whatever it was. And... um, I was, uh, that was not a successful experience, let's call it that, Um, because apparently I kept on saying, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. That story doesn't make sense, and that story doesn't make sense, you know, and how do people live in Wales? I mean, well, that doesn't make any sense. Um, And then then a couple of years later, when I went to the Boy Scouts, or Cub Scouts, rather, And I think that these things, I I don't think that this has anything to do with the organization, the Cub Scouts. I just think that the den mother in our neighborhood uh, decided that she wanted everybody to pray uh, and and I wasn't. I already was kind of going no, 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 no. And she made a. Uh, and this I do remember quite well is that there there were donuts on the uh, on on the table that uh, we were all going to have, and we would have them every time there was a Cub Scout meeting. Of which I only went to probably about three or four at the most. Uh, but donuts were a big deal because uh, that was not something that we had in the house. And um, I remember being told, no praying, no donuts. And that sort of was the seed of me um, beginning to equate um, some of religious training as manipulative.
1: Yeah, that definitely there's a pressure to conform as well you know it, it they use that to try and keep people or you know keep them within the fold or i don't know why they do that uh, it's not exactly something conducive to free thought
0: no i mean i, I listen i i, I have uh, i think it's a um sort of a futile um uh journey to try to get people to not be religious i mean some people are and some people aren't Uh, i'm happy to say that at least in europe and and also now more so in europe but also now in america um and i think also in i mean in the united states and then in canada people are becoming more and more secular which i think is is good um I, I, but if somebody wants to be religious, I just I don't I, I don't kind of get into that discussion very much. Where I get into the discussion is when religion religion and it, and its doctrines and and its beliefs mostly its beliefs uh, move into the public square, and um, that's where and particularly into the uh, into the realm of education and science. Um, uh, uh, the, the whole notion that, um, of the fundamentalist Christian maintaining that the Bible is in fact a, a, a science book of, 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 is, is silly. Um, I, I think that the people who, uh, wrote down, uh, the, the, you know, who, who wrote the Bible 3,500 years ago uh, were using the best information they had and um, just like Bishop Usher of 1650 was using the best information he had when he tried to figure out the the uh, the date of the earth by counting all of the begats in the Bible back to uh, to 4004 B.C. But um, the same bright Inquisitive people who did not have uh, any sort there was just no science back there, no way of being able to determine uh, things in a scientific way, uh, uh, no way of of measuring and what have you. Uh, If those people were uh, alive today and starting out today, uh, they they simply wouldn't use uh, information that was 3,500, 4,000 years old. Uh, and uh, so um, it it really pains me when I see that um, um, certain religious teaching has kids believing that the world was created October. I forget what it is, twenty second or twenty third. On, on
1: yeah, I think it was six oh two or PC. something like that. It's like uh, what's that? It was right down to the oh. hour. Uh, apparently
0: yes right (laughs) and then they'll argue endlessly about whether it was 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. and I mean it's all absurd absurd. it's just absurd stuff I mean the fact of the matter is is that is that one does uh, does not you know one can still have a god in one's notion of how of of of, of existence and what have you Um, if you want to go back to let's say you know, what is it, 10 to the minus 43, I think it is, is the, is the furthest we can go back in terms of, you know, after the Big Bang and what have you. But the fact of the matter is is that you can have a god that, uh, you know, at the Big Bang, call it the Big Bang. Because nobody knows. Maybe we will, but right now we don't. We have a pretty good idea of, you know, let's say 10 to the minus minus. 42, but we don't know 10 to the minus 44. And that point, at, point, at that point, you can say, God, and nobody on Earth is going to say, no, that's not true, because, well, we just don't know. Um, but but October 22nd at 10 o'clock in the morning, 4004 B.C., uh, you're just kind of out and You know, you you, you're in the radical fringe at that
2: point. (laughs) Deism is a pretty hard position to uh, argue against, whereas theism is. You know, some of the claims are just obviously wrong.
0: Right, and, and they just get in the way. You know, mostly I'm concerned about the fact that they get in the way when it comes to critical thinking. Uh, so in, in a much more temporal sort of way, uh, a, a everyday sort of way, the, it's a training, again, in the fundamentalist uh, Christian way of, of seemingly the way, at least what I hear and speak to people about and read and listen to and what have you, is that um, um, it does not promote critical thinking. And that's why, you know, right now in the United States, you have a lot of evangelicals who are turning to Trump, and you're kind of going, surely you're out of your mind, (laughs) Um, to consider that this man is a man of the cloth, you know, and I believe what he says and stuff like that. It's all in the area of magical thinking, and you kind of go, no, 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 no. No, you don't want to do that. You know, even I, who don't, who are... I think that that religion is something which is, is certainly a good thing, a useful thing, as long as it doesn't promote governmental policies or something like that, I, I would be saying to my religious friends, you know, this, this man is not on your side. Are you kidding? I mean, you can see it. You can, you can hear it in any case. There you have it.
2: Yeah, it's quite a phenomenon.
0: <laughs> yes, and I think part of it is is that it, it's sort of a, a, a desire to just to believe. I believe, and you know, when people get into this this notion that they can believe anything they want to believe, and they are you know they um, they don't have to verify why they be, why they believe it, or they don't have to justify it. They don't even have to you know they can just say I believe it. I believe. And therefore, it exists. I go well. I, I, I need more than that. <laughs> I, I I just need more than that. It's, it's not interesting. It's a, it's a it's a very flat world if you live in that type of a world.
1: Yeah, I just got my uh, ballot today for the November election. So, <laughs> part, you know, there is actually a part of me who is that is so frustrated with the rise of Donald Trump. I'm not going to do this, but it makes me almost want to vote for him just to teach. Them a lesson.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I understand that. I've gone there in terms of my thinking. You know, um, you know, here it is. uh, Back in two thousand and eight. Oh, how quickly we generally forget, and also how much the Republicans have have done to uh, help us forget. uh, We were in the middle of a hurricane, a hurricane uh, uh, of our own making, where we created two wars. We had two wars. And a financial meltdown, and uh, you know, if you pardon the met, you know the metaphor, of, you know, our ship of state was in a hurricane. And in 2008, as we have every four years, uh, a new captain came on board and uh, took over the helm. And here it is: the ship of state is being pushed against the reef, and the tattered sails, and the howling wind, and the waves, and what have you, and half of the crew sat down. They just sat down and they have been sitting down for the last eight years. They have instead of working for the common good, they've worked for their own party. As Speaker said that uh you know his job was to you know get rid of uh sitting president. Well I mean you should no that's not your job your job is to make the country better
1: <laughs> Well, the partisanship is terrible there's there's a, well it's it's mostly on the republican side there there's a complete lack of willingness to work with the other side
0: yeah, and they have they have stirred this pot, and out of it came this this i don't even know what to call it. They, you know, they had how many? Sixteen uh, who wanted to be uh, who wanted to be Republican nominees, and this guy flattened them all. But he's not a Republican. Uh, we need two healthy parties, and we don't have a healthy party yeah. as with the Republicans right now. And uh, and out of this has come this. I, I don't know, I mean, it's, it's, it's aberration as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and uh, and countries around the world are concerned, you know, and then, you know, along the lines, uh, I mean, it's just, uh, it's very scary as far as I, and, and again, it comes back to this notion of critical thinking. You know, you you, mm-hmm. you watch a guy who says something in front of you, he'll say something, you know, you know, whatever, he'll make some gesture, or he'll say something, and then a few minutes later he goes, no, I didn't say that. No, no, I didn't say that. And you go, well, I, I just heard you say that. No, that's not, no, didn't say that. Yeah, it, it, I think it shows a, an enormous disrespect, for, not only for everyone who listens to you, who is listening to you, but a particular type of disrespect for the people who support you. Because let me tell you, those people who feel that they've been fleeced are going to be fleeced again.
1: And, and yet they come back for more.
0: Yes, I, I incredible. That's the weird part.
1: Improving critical thinking skills in, in the United States.
0: Well, I, I think it has a great deal to do with education. It has to do with uh, mostly with, with you know, competent um I'd like to think just secular education being interested in uh, what's going on politically you know knowing knowing history having a, a sense of um, involvement you know getting out of your uh, you know and we all do it I'm, I I do it perhaps a little less but enough with the social media enough with the uh, you know one one thing that's, that I find to, to be very interesting is that when I was growing up uh, you know there'd be a family picnic or what have you, and then you know there'd be Uncle Bill, and Uncle Bill was always a little wacko, and he you know the kids enjoyed him because you know and the parents were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Uncle Bill would have these sort of crazy notions, and he'd get to say them all and what have you. But when the picnic was over and you walked away, that was the end of it. And everybody could go, oh, that, oh, what was that about? Ooh, like that. It was isolated. Now, Uncle Bill, actually, who sees that everybody thinks he's a little a bit of a whack job, gets to go on the internet and find other Uncle Bills. And his notions begin to attract people of like mind so you have you have groups now of people who who you kind of go well this is not what the reality is here guys you are bending reality to your purposes and to how you see you know the conspiracy theorists and the you know and on and on and on the endless attacking people
1: well no kidding I mean just recently uh, of course uh, Hillary Clinton and fell ill with uh, pneumonia. And how does this become an election issue? (laughs) I mean, people get sick. Right. And yet that goes to her competency. I don't get that.
0: Well, and also, you know, uh, and we all know, well, not we all know, but there's there's this whole issue of... uh you can take something which is a, a lie, and you can repeat it over and over and over again. And invariably, there will be some who it'll stick for some, and then it'll get more and more and more until it becomes it becomes an issue. I mean, you know, the birther movement. Yeah. I, I, when I first heard that, I just thought, well, it's ridiculous. Well, I mean, at first I heard it, and I thought, oh, is that, is that true? No, no. He was born in Hawaii. and So, oh, yeah, end of the story. But no, 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 not the end of the story. And then, of course, who's one of the people, the main person, this this Trump character? Yes. You can imagine what this is going to be like if he were president.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No, I don't think we can.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're all terrified. I,
1: we're terrified. I, I really don't think we can. <laughs> I, I, I mean, just when you see what you've thought, you've seen the depths to which, Donald Trump would go. He, he's got a bigger shovel. You know, he, he keeps going.
0: Right, right. And nobody sort of jumps on it. You know, when, when he'll make a statement which is patently untrue, people don't jump on it right then and there. They don't jump on it. I hesitate to wonder what this, 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 uh, this debate is going to be like. It'll be
1: entertaining. Yeah, it'll be entertaining. And I, Trump is only just taking this weekend for actually preparing.
0: Well, you know what? I don't really care. But that's all part of the spin. You know, I don't really care how much time he takes or he doesn't take.
1: You won the uh, uh, Arts uh, Award from the American Humanist Association. Tell us about some of the things that you've done through the arts to promote humanist values.
0: Well, I don't know if I've gone um, specifically to promote humanist values. Uh, I I was honored by this. Um, This is very much who I am and have always been. Whenever I uh, am asked to speak about it, I'm not religious in any way. And yet I have read all of the Bible. I've listened to tons of lectures uh, historical lectures on the material. I find it anthropologically and socially very interesting, and I think that one should know about all of these things. But I'm not informed at a magical level. And I have no problems about people who have... I have a, f- a friend who's going through some very difficult times right now, and he goes to church three or four times a week. I, I would never take that away from him, or nor, nor ridicule that or anything like that. I, I think that it's really important, as I said before, where uh, the rubber meets the road for me is when religion becomes science. And that's where I have the biggest problem.
2: Or inform social policy, right?
0: Or social policy, yes, yeah. right. Right. I mean, I, I don't ask people about their religion, and yet I'm a little offended when people ask me about mine.
1: Is, is that because uh, there's assumptions it's, that are packed into that?
0: I think that it should be private. I think it's just private. It's what you do at home. Mm-hmm. you know. And I think that it also seems to be like, a, you know, they're code words that supposedly mean a lot but i don't i i would like to keep the discourse on things that we can see and things that we can affect i don't want to have long conversations on you know what's happening on the other side of the mountain for which nobody ever returns i just like to keep all of those things um, out of the discussion that's all
1: yeah just keeping it well real
0: Uh,
2: I know you're pressed for time, so um, may I just ask if there's anything that you're working on now that you'd like to discuss or promote or anything like that?
0: Well, actually, I'm I'm about to send out some small little 60-second, not even maybe 35-second videos uh, to try to get um, people to vote. I'm also making it clear as to what it is, why I'm voting the way I'm voting, and that's what I'm doing in the next four or five days. Here, I have a constant involvement with Star Trek timelines, with which is a mobile video game, which is really great, and people, more and more people, I think we're up to about. 4 million people are now playing it and, and really enjoying the stories I finished a play not too long ago And um, directed a, a workshop of an opera that's, that's what I'm doing right now So,
1: not at all busy
2: Well, and specifically <laughs> well, you're busy. in Edmonton right
0: now <laughs> And physically I'm in Edmonton to, um, Yeah to be at the convention here, the comic book convention, Comic-Con convention here. Uh, I will be in the Minneapolis, or no, or in Milwaukee at a, for a brony convention. I, I did a, I, I, uh, helped to produce a, a, a documentary on bronies, which I, I feel very good about and strong about. Explain,
1: uh, explain I, bronies, because I did read about this.
0: I, I was simply called to do a show called My Little Pony. A voiceover, you know, and and I I read the material. It seemed it was very well written, and 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 you know, and I, I I did it, and I prepped for a couple of hours the night before, and then went into a recording studio and did it. And and usually when you do voiceovers, that's pretty much the end of the story. You you have very little contact uh, other than with the people in the. In the in, in the booth and um, and just yourself in front of a microphone. About three months later, I was inundated with um, in my emails with um, with people who were you know saying, "Oh my gosh, we really love what you're doing and stuff like that." And they're all said, My Little Pony. And I said to my wife, what do you know about My Little Pony? And she said, well, it's uh, it's a cartoon for little girls. And I said, well, let me tell you something. These are not little girls that are riding me. So that was my first introduction to bronies. Bronies are 20-year-old, 20-something-year-old guys who watch a cartoon intended for 10-year-old girls. Now, of course, one immediately goes to all of the, you know, sordid reasons why that is the case and 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 frankly I did too I was like well oh, what in the world does that mean and a friend of mine came over that night happened to come over and said oh let's do a documentary about this and I said oh, no 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 I don't no absolutely not but I went up to Vancouver to shoot something and I was there for about ten days and um, these you know 20 year old guys came up to me and, and asked me to sign autographs with about you know my character of My Little Pony which gave me an opportunity to speak with them and I said you know why are you interested in the show and isn't it sort of strange and and I found that their reasons uh, having to do with the fact that these were well this is what they, they didn't say this per se but this is what I, I I gleaned and that is is that My Little Pony Friendship is Magic is is sort of a these are cautionary tales secular moral tales, and that's what this group is, most of them. So I began to get a very different impression than my first impression, and, and I began thinking, oh, this is sort of the beginning of a fandom in the same way that Leonard Nimoy and I would talk, he and I had a company together and I would ask him questions about this. He and I would talk about what the first inklings, where was it that you really began to understand that you, that you had sort of a tiger by the tail here? Uh, so that's where my thinking was, and into this mix, which was, now, two to three weeks later, my friend who had not given up on the idea of a documentary said, I think you should take a look at this. And he sent me some links and they were of, you know, Fox News, but I can't remember which one, you know, one of some of the sort of second tier versions of Fox you know kind of really soft news where it is said you know bronies the latest degradation in the uh, in our culture bronies are a bunch of homosexuals who live at home on food stamps and disability and i just went oh my god oh my god this is so unfair so i called him up and i said okay you've got me i'm hooked um these, these kids need some cover, and, uh, and they should not be described this way because in point of fact it's not true. And so we went to Kickstarter and we got the money to create this documentary. And I, it's a wonderful documentary and it gives a real slice of life into a fandom that was right at the beginning of, uh, you know, the, the first meetup had been 50 people at a restaurant. And the second was, you know, like in a large-ish room at a hotel of 350. And their hopes were that they would have 750 at this next convention. will call it a convention. And if that's when I came in. And I said, so so your last one was 350, and you think this next one is going to be 700, 750? Yes, we're hoping. I said, well, I'd like to come there and, and film. Is that is that possible? They said, yes, absolutely. And they got 4,000. 4,200 people who came. And so it really exploded at that point. And this is a documentary about that event, as well as uh, because we got quite a bit more money than we thought we were going to get. We just uh, expanded the circle. And so we were able to send a group to uh, Israel, To film and to Mannheim, or it wasn't Mannheim, I know, in Germany and Holland and in Manchester, England, and up and down the coast in the United States. So we really used up all of the money to to really make it a big documentary. And it's a group that is very interested in music, which is part of what the show is, and also very interested in animation, and, and they are exceedingly digitally connected. So we used all of that in in this documentary as well.
1: Yeah, so you basically write it or wrong which is pretty much as, as humanist as it gets, right?
0: <laughs> well, I guess so. <laughs> I, I guess so. And I, I'm 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 happy that they, they have a group. And you know the thing is this, is that and this goes back to, you know, what how the last eight years have gone. Are we really at a point in our society that this is a show uh, Friendship is Magic, which is about honesty and loyalty and laughter and helping one another and what have you. Are we really going to make fun of people who, excuse me, they were might not have been the target audience, but they are watching the show? Are we going to make fun of them for watching a show about being nice?
1: Yeah, it's, just, That's... it's kind of backwards, isn't it? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is backwards. It is backwards. So you know what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to call them all these uh, names and we're going to blare it out, you know, over the media. And you kind of go, no, wait, wait a minute. Why don't you find out a, bit, a little bit about this? So that's why I, I felt very strongly about it. I mean, you know, what what sort of society have we have we become where we make people feel bad about uh, doing nice things?
1: Yeah.
2: It's fascinating. I'd, I'd heard the term, but I had no idea what it meant or anything like that.
0: Brony it means brother pony.
2: Yeah, yeah. That much I knew, but really I knew nothing about... Um, know what it was about or anything like that
0: well look at i mean it was on netflix until just recently uh it was on for two two years or so on netflix i don't know Mm -hmm. where it is now because i'm not i'm no longer uh, i gave the show away to my partner but uh, i don't know where it is now but i'm sure if you go up on youtube you will find uh, you know you'll find it And, and it's uh it's called brony con
2: sounds very interesting
1: yeah Well, thank you, uh, John. I know you're very busy in Edmonton right now, so it's been wonderful that you've joined us here.
2: Thank you so much for this
0: opportunity, and edit well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Okay. All right. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to the Legion of Reason Diversion, coming to you from Alberta, Canada, Theme music was provided by Dean Morrison and used with permission. All other music and sounds is under license from Audioblocks.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not leave us a review on iTunes? You can also like the Legion of Reason Facebook page and follow us on Twitter.